another 14 words. Just checking all my levels, and we are live. And we are doing this thing. Um, I'm on my own yet again. Um, if anyone wants to hop on, you know where I am. Um, yeah, so... Pardon me. Um, so... More from the fade pages of 14 times until I can get a crew together. Uh, so this time I've got the strange death of Har- Har- Hannah Twinoy. So that's T-W-Y-N-N-O-Y. So in, 17, uh, in 1703, notoriety came suddenly and unexpectedly to Hannah Twinoy, a servant, <coughs> a servant of the White Lion Inn in Malmesbury. She was the first person ever to be killed by a tiger in Britain. Uh, her gravestone, whoa, spoopy gravestone, near the south door of Malmesbury Abbey, paid, uh, records the sad event, giving her age as 33 and her date of death as the 23rd of October, 1703. In bloom of life, she snatched from hence. She had no, not room to make defence. From tiger fierce took life away. And here she lies in a bed of clay until the resurrection day. <laughs> this extraordinary piece of local history was expanded on in a memorial plaque to her, which used to hang in nearby Hullavington Hull- Church. Apparently, according to the plaque, which was, for- <coughs> which was fortunately carefully recorded since it is now lost, there had been an exhibition of wild beasts at the inn, with among the rest a very fierce tiger, which she imprudently took imprudently took pleasure in teasing, not notwithstanding the repeated remonstrance of its keeper. One day, whilst amusing herself with this dangerous diversion, she enraged the animal by an extraordinary effort drew out by the staple. I don't know what that means. <laughs> um, sprang towards the unhappy girl, caught hold of her gown and tore her to pieces. At that time, the tiger was an animal largely unknown in Britain. This must have heightened the horror of the manner of Hannah's death, by a mauling by a ferocious, unheard-of, never-before-seen animal. Although rulers and aristocrats, aristocrats in Europe had demonstrated their wealth and power by keeping exotic animals for display for centuries. People like Hannah and the town folks of, Mar- town folk of Malmesbury, even if they had ever heard of such beasts, did not expect to see them. There is no record of tigers in Britain before the 18th century, and the term menagerie was first used by the French only in the 17th century, and then in connection with the, with the management of household and domestic animals. However, these exotic beasts from faraway places had regularly exchanged between had been re- regularly exchanged between the rulers of medieval european states for nearly a millennium before hannah met her, uh, a millennium before hannah and met her unfortunate end these monarchs and emperors also received them as gifts from their peers in africa and asia charlemagne the holy roman emperor received so many that he maintained three menageries in achen nimegen and Ingelheim. Uh, the Caliph of Baghdad presented him with an Asian elephant in 797, the first elephant seen in Europe since the first, since the Roman Empire. Other animals in his collection include monkeys, lions, bears, falcons and camels. Such a collection demonstrated clearly to everyone that his might and en- might enormous wealth and connections. Uh, yeah, just check that. Hold on one sec. Right, so, yeah. <clears throat> uh, so uh, William the Conqueror, 
Boo Hiss, who reigned in England 1066 to 1087, kept a small collection of exotic animals at his place in Woodstock, Oxfordshire. His son, Henry I, kept a larger collection there during his own reign, 1100 to 1135, including lions, leopards, lynx and camels, as well as porcupine. He had seven miles of walls built to create an enclosed park to keep them secure. Subsequent English kings kept wild animals at the Tower in London, but it was not until the early years of the 13th century that King John who reigned 1199 to 1216, established the Tower Menagerie there. The first record of lions being kept is from 1210, or there is no mention of tigers at the Tower for another 550 years. European monarchs regularly bestowed exotic creatures on their relatives and allies. In 1235, Henry III, John's son, received three lions as a wedding gift. Hello, hello, hello. Hey, Fraser, how are you doing? Oh. You'll be able to hear me now. <laughs> I yeah. was muted. Hey, mate, how you doing? I'm not too bad, man. I'm oh, just doing a little story about the first woman ever ever murdered by a tiger. Oh. As as per usual, she taunted the tiger, got murdered, and now she's crying about it. <laughs> Wait, how can she be murdered and be crying about it? <laughs> She's a woman. They can do anything they want. 1703. <laughs> 1703, the first person in England was killed by a tiger. And it was a woman. <laughs> of course it was. <laughs> uh, so, I'm just re- uh, so I'm just reading now about the other menageries that were kept. Uh, oh, menageries no. is pretty boring. Um, okay, I'll get through it. Uh, where, da, 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 where was I? The first record of lions being kept is from 1210, although there is no mention of tigers for another 550 years. I had read that bit. Uh, yeah. Are we live, by the way? Or... Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, okay, right. I'm always, just, re- I'm just reading some articles from the 14, so nice. I've done no prep whatsoever. Um, Fair enough. So, uh, oh, have you, have you heard the news? Uh, Car- Carrie Simmons is no longer our Prime Minister. <laughs> Carrie Simmons. <laughs> well, she was the one pushing the green agenda, weren't she? Apparently. Oh well, that and uh, buying property here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, now. Uh, but, but, but where was I? Um. So John's son received three lions as a wedding gift from his brother-in-law Frederick II. He had married Henry's brother Is Is Henry's sister Isabella, not Henry's brother Isabella. Frederick was both the Holy Roman Emperor and the King of Sicily. He kept three permanent menageries, but but unusually was more interested in birds than big cats. He wrote a book in Latin, The The Art of Hunting with Birds, which describes the behaviour and training of falcons. The two-volume originals reside in the Vatican today. The Vatican Library. We're going to have to do an episode on that, aren't we? What? What is in the Vatican Library? <laughs> Nobody knows. The Nobody end. knows. My 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 nano is my my Nothing. Said, it's a big. It's a big cut. It's a lie. There's nothing in there. They're just saying it. It's just, it's just fucking room in it with like a chair. Or something, my na- you know. My nano always said that, that the Pope's bodyguards. You know, not the Swiss Guard ones. The other ones. Yeah, said yeah. They all look like mafia. <laughs> 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 Oh, your nan was a smart woman, wasn't she? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'll bang on it, mate. <laughs> right, so yeah. that's that, the managerial stuff. Is right. fucking go. It's a bit dry. I'll pick something else. Um, I do have another one to go through. Uh, what's I going to go through next? 
Oh, yeah, this is one. Fraser, you will love this one. Uh, uh, do, you, do you remember about the Ripper's Shroud? Have you ever heard that one? Ripper's Shroud? Is it is the Shroud, this like of, Shroud of Turin? No. It's it's like that, but it's a cum rag. <laughs> oh, heard, no. Have you never heard what? this story? Is this, this has got to be, we just made this up, right? <laughs> it's something Come like on. that. Come on. Right, Jack... that's unbelievable, right? You know, they find what this they find is, Jack the a... Ripper's fucking jizz tanky. Is that what you're this, saying? This is well, it's, technically it's not the Ripper's jizz jizz rag. It's somebody else's. <laughs> Have you not heard this story about the shroud? No. It's it's one of no. one, of, one of the women he murdered. That some dude's got a, got a shroud because he's related to her. Uh, it's it's I'll read this without it's funny. Right, okay. Jack the Ripper finally revealed. How many times have we seen that in a headline? And just like in in the screen movies, every time the mask is pulled off, we're met with a different face. So what's this? What sets this new sensation apart from, say, the Ripper Diary debacle of the nineteen nineties? Patricia Cornwell's one woman campaign against Walter Sickert, almost of almost a decade ago, or the post Watergate royal conspiracy nonsense of the nineteen seventies. Two things, DNA and actual bona fide police suspect. In keeping with past sensations, the man making the headline grabbing claims is not an actual ripperologist. That is to say, he's not spent years or decades studying the crimes, poring over old newspapers or spending vast amounts of money on books and research materials. Instead, he chose to spend his money on an old shawl embroidered with a neat story, a story every bit as tantalising as it is sketchy. The man in question, <laughs> Russell Edwards, and his author... And his author Authorial de- debut, naming the debut, naming the Jack the Ripper, wherein this he guy claims sounds like the guy who went to America to <laughs> find dinosaur bones. It's, it's, it's like that, but he's got a cum rag. <laughs> <laughs> he sold his Star Wars collection for a cum rag. <laughs> it, it's the uh, where is it? So the sold money... his Gollywog collection for some cum rags. <laughs> yeah, wherein he yeah. claims to conclusively identify the the killer of at least five prostitutes in London's East End in 1888. Edwards is hardly the first author to become convinced of his own ideas and ability to sell sell the public a final solution to the Ripper mystery. But he is the first person to state that through modern science he can now say 100% certainty that he has identified history's most notorious murderer. Edwards' adventure begins with what Edwards is. That's terrible grammar. It's Edwards. Edwards' adventure begins with what has been known to Ripperologists since the 1990s as the Edo's Shawl. So that would be Catherine Edo's, is it? Maybe, yeah. An eight foot long by two foot wide. I'm familiar with the the deepest lore of this, to be honest. Uh, Yeah, I've watched a fair amount of Ripper stuff. I think it's Catherine Edo's, I think. I might be wrong. Um... An eight foot long by two foot wide shawl made of silk and cotton that has allegedly remained in the wait, same. Wait, wait, fa- wait, wait! Eight by four. Eight, yeah, eight. No, eight by two. Oh, eight by two. Okay. Yeah, that allegedly remained in the same family since eighteen eighty eight. When family law has it, the patriarch took the blood stained garment. Eight by two inches. No, no, eight by two feet. Oh, so it's like a proper I was about to say, around. I was like, is that, what is it, the ribbon, the fucking jizz ribbon, not a fucking <laughs> the <jizz> rag? <laughs> it's more impressive than the landing strip that uh, Jahan's used to have. <laughs> Eight by two feet, what the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> what? must have been like a fucking, must have been like a, like a fucking mummy by when she wrapped that round. Uh, so, it's. Uh, Took the bloodstained garment from the crime scene of the Ripper victim, Catherine K. Eddowes. Yeah, I'm right, Catherine. 
On the surface, this might seem to make a measure of sense as the patriarch in question was Metropolitan Police Constable and often action sergeant Amos Simpson. However, this is where the story takes a detour from logic. In February of the present year and before Edward's intentions were known, I published a book entitled The Bank Holiday Murders, The True Story of the First Whitechapel Murders, which presents much new and relevant information pertaining in particular to the early Whitechapel murders of Emily Horsnell, Emma Smith and Martha Tabram. The book includes a four-page appendix entitled The True Provenance of the Edo Shawl, in which I conclude the shawl was mo most likely had no connection to any of the Whitechapel murders, but if it had, it would have been in relation to the case of Emma Smith, who is known to have held a woollen wrapper between her legs to staunch the flow of blood as she walked, walked her final mile to London, London Hospital. This is the only time in, in the case a bloody shawl is mentioned. My new spin on the tale was the Smith connection. What... That the shawl never belonged to Eddowes, let alone been pulled from a mangled corpse by PC Amos Simpson, was not my own idea, but was instead that rarest of commodities in ripperology, a conclusion agreed upon by virtually everybody. I'll quickly list a few of the problems with the shawl story. First of all, PC Amos Simpson worked for the Metropolitan Police, and Kate Eddowes was killed on city police territory, 12 miles away from Simpson's beat, so he would have been nowhere near the murder scene. Uh, City PC Edward Watkins is the man who first discovered the body at 1.45 in the morning of Sunday 30th September. From that moment on, every aspect of the investigation is recorded from numerous witnesses and no point is Amos Simpson mentioned. Detailed sketches of Kate, Kate's body in situ in Mitre Square show no sign of any shawl, let alone the cloth, the cloth behemoth currently in Russell Edwards' possession. The beats the the beats of the constables in the area are known, and from the last time the square was checked until the murder was discovered, only six minutes had passed. The Ripper really did a job on Kate, inflicting numerous mutilations, removing her left kidney and uterus, even taking the time to nick her eye eyelids, carve chevrons into her face, and cut away a large portion of her filthy once white apron, usually presumably to carry the offal away in. Why work so hard for half an apron when a perfectly good shawl is ready to hand? We're also expected to believe that inside this needle-thin six-minute window there was also time for the ripper to masturbate on the shawl and for Simpson to slip in and make away with it. It's also worth mentioning that when the experts at Sotheby's were asked to offer an opinion of whether they felt the shawl had been manufactured, when the shawl had been manufactured, they dated it to the early 20th century. Well, that is merely educated opinion, and Edwards attempts to work around this in the in his book. It is but one more hurdle for the reader to overcome in considering whether this shawl has any con connection whatsoever to the Ripper case. Catherine Eddowes is what we call today a homeless person. She had an alcohol problem, did not maintain steady employment, and lived with her long-term boyfriend in a common lodging house. As with most, most women of similar circumstances, everything she owned she carried with her. Only days prior to her murder... Kate's, par Kate's partner James Kelly was forced to pawn his only pair of boots so that he could, uh, could afford a bed for the night. They had just returned on foot from a trip picking hops in the country and either, had not, and either had not made any money or drunk the earnings. It's absolutely unthinkable that two people so impoverished, impoverished could have held on to a valuable item such as this shawl for longer than five minutes before rushing, rushing to the nearest pawn shop. Following her murder, Kelly looked through Edo's belongings, even digging through the folds in her bonnet in search of any money that she might have tucked away. At no point did she inquire about a missing shawl. Since history says Edo's did not own the shawl, 
Edwards instead tries to put it in the hands of her killer, who she says was Aaron, who he says was Aaron Kaminsky. Of course, this raises the question of what kind of prostitute would go into a dark cooler with a man wearing a long woman's shawl. In fact, it raises quite a few questions and the waters get muddier. Aaron Kaminsky is a legitimate, if not altogether convincing, police suspect. At 23, he's a bit too young in the minds of many to have pulled off these murders. Nevertheless, Sir Robert Anderson, the assistant commissioner of police at the time, stated in his memoirs that he knew that the identity of police he knew the identity of the Ripper and that he was a Polish Jew. He did not name the suspect, but his loyal subordinate, Chief Inspector Donald Swanson, made notes in his copy of his old boss's book and named the suspect merely as Ko Kosminski with no first name. He did not offer an opinion as to Kosmis Kosminski's candidature for the Ripper. In s research in the 1980s put forth that Aaron Kaminsky as the most likely candidate for the Anderson suspect. Another man on the inner circle was Swanson's other superior, Chief Constable Melville Mac McNacton. Fucking hell, I'm butchering that one. Who wrote that he didn't think Kuzminski was the Ripper at all. We do not even know why Kuzminski was suspected in the first place. All we have are two men working together in the years following 1888, one of whom who likes, likes Kosminski for the murders and one who doesn't. Each police and policeman had his own opinion as to who the Ripper was and rarely did any, any two agree. In spite of the shawl's abysmal provenance and the dearth of any historical evidence that should lead us to conclude Kosminski was a likely Ripper, it might be argued that neither of these matter if the science proves beyond any doubt that Aaron Kosminski and Kate Eddowes deposited their DNA on that shawl. Uh, indeed that is that is what edward Clay, edwards claims but a new but new developments are coming in coming to light almost daily and some of those some of these give us reason to be skeptical in 2011 an australian documentary entitled prime suspect jack the ripper was produced that attempted to compare dna from the shawl to non to a non-start to non-starter ripper suspect Frederick Bailey Demon. So, have you ever done any Ripper? Are you, are you not lot looked at the Ripper stuff in the least, then, Fraser? That's just a cursory overview. And five prostitutes died. Yeah. Yeah, some guy fucking, you know, not actually in York, you know, Yorkshire fucking killed him. And it's like, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like some of these people spend their lives on Ripperology, don't they? I mean,. Just hearing that to me, the that that the person you should be like the prime suspect there should be that policeman. But <laughs> no one's picked up on that yet, have they? Mm -hmm. like, why was he? <laughs> why why does his alibi not make sense? Um, <laughs> unless you know he was the one like I don't know, there and killed her and jizzed on you know the fucking thing and then took the evidence away when he realized he left it <laughs> you know that copper seems a bit plausible, sus doesn't he nicking, uh, stuff, nicking stuff off of crime yeah. scenes well yeah exactly i mean uh is there no one there's no one thought hold on a sec <laughs> so yeah uh this video is available for free online and makes for interesting viewing. It was during the course of this production that Russell Edwards, who was only a participant in the programme, did not believe that Demon was the Ripper, met Yari Luhanian, the man who, who, who a few years later would, according to Edwards, prove 100% certainty that Kosminski was the Ripper. So basically, Kosminski's, I think he's the one, I think he's the butcher 
that at some point he either topped himself or he was put away in a mental asylum for life. So that's why they think he's a suspect, and that's why the why the murder stopped abruptly. That that's why Kosminski comes up. Right. Uh, technology must have advanced considerably in three years because according to the documentary comparison of the shul's DNA to demons was not possible because contamination has delivered an inconclusive result. Demons DNA was extracted directly from his skull so the contamination appears to refer to the shul. This is no surprise considering the item has been handled without thought for the last 126 years and must contain the DNA of dozens if not hundreds of individuals. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> That's one way to get rid of the evidence, I suppose, or, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but giving Dr. Lou Haney uh, the, uh, the benefit of the doubt, as his reputation and standing suggests we should, perhaps the new and experimental techniques he employed will be conclusive. The problem is we may never know because Lou Hanian has not yet had the work peer-reviewed. What we do know is that the tests did not involve nuclear DNA extracted from either Eddowes or Kosminski, but it in, in, instead relied on mitochondrial DNA from li- living descendants. As to where, as to where Lou, Lou Lanian stands on the matter... And, it, and let me, wait, wait, none of them matched those two, right? So I think, I think they found a match with Kosminski. Somewhere right. on the jizz rag, they found a match with one of Kosminski's relatives. Okay. So they're not doing like direct Kosminski DNA, they're doing um familial DNA. So I would have thought that that then widens out the possibility of I think it makes it like more tenuous oh. a link I would have thought. It could only go down the well, the matriarchal line, yeah, I guess they have to Yeah, continue. No. That's so it. As to where Lou Lanian stands on the matter, he's not been shy about talking to the media in recent weeks and appears to be the calm voice of reason. One of Finland's... This is a bit old, this one, so it's probably a couple of years. 2014, this is from. So this week is about six years ago. Eight years ago. Uh, One of Finland's largest newspapers, the Swedish language... And I'm not even going to try and read that. Something like that. It ran a piece entitled Jack the Ripper Scientist Tones Down the Results, which quoted as Lunanian follows. I was surprised at how the writer, the publisher of the Public Relations Bureau, wanted to get everything out of this. Already the back cover revealed they wanted to take advantage of me by claiming the mystery has now been scientifically solved. I've said in numerous interviews that the evidence would not suffice to put Jack the Ripper before a court of law. Regardless of how the science turns out, Kosminski remains a legitimate and interesting individual worthy of further research but he did carry an eight foot shawl to mitre square and conveniently deposit his semen between swatches deeply stained with Catherine Eddowes blood history says no but Jerry Lulane says mainly maybe and Russell Edwards says absolutely that leaves us with the, only with the certainty that if all three ain't lining up the same we don't quite yet have a jackpot so there you go how yeah, and how would they have known it was his? I don't know. It's like it's like a million yes, a millionth yeah. hand. It's like a millionth yeah. hand, 126 years old, going from place to place, and suddenly this guy's just decided it's the it's it's Jack the Ripper's jizz rag. <laughs> it's also been used by like countless other people, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. 
Well, well, which means that, you know, in order for them to separate, you know, the just the, you know, bog standard fingerprint, you know, oil and stuff like that, other people would have had to have just on this right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I assume like even contact with transfer DNA sweats. Yeah, but there's a, there's a difference between like demon and finger. Mm. Oils, right? Uh, right? Or yeah, yeah, because just... they're they're asserting that it's actual. Tell me, tell, they, tell me, that, like that's that's at least true, right? Because otherwise, I'm... <laughs> well, they're um... asserting it's a jizz stain that they got the DNA from, aren't they? <laughs> well, that's it. They must have. Kn- they must know it's a gist. There's, there's a difference there, right? Uh, or or have we fallen so far that we can't tell the difference <laughs> now? Between... <laughs> One spunk. <laughs> In fingerprint. They got that. That uh, oh, no. the, who's the doctor from The Simpsons? <laughs> they got him to do the DNA <laughs> test. Oh man. Oh well. well you know what? I, I actually believe that they don't know what it is. To be honest, no. In science, you to, I'm taking the stance that they. I thought, I thought you'd enjoy. I thought you'd enjoy the the Ripper's jizz rag. That is a decent story. That is. Uh, what else well, we... well, we all know what the, it's, all this stuff is just to make money, isn't it? <laughs> like that's, that's well, that the, dude's got know. a book out of it, isn't he? I mean, I don't, uh, yeah, yeah. like even I think didn't even Sotheby say like that it's probably it was probably made in the twi- in the twentieth century. Yeah, I don't know. I, to my honest, these like old serial killer things are just. I yeah, think, I, I, you know... I I honestly believe like the time, unless someone finds a. A confession in an attic that's yeah. that hasn't been looked at for no, but even then that's years. a bit dodgy to me. Like yeah. we know all this. Oh, we've only just now found, you know, uh, this confession in this attic. Like it's like people who've never like moved house and cleaned out their attics before. It's you know, it's just bizarre. You know, I mean, you could do a whole fucking thing on like, oh, we've just recently found someone's. Look what we just found diary, in the attic. They, yeah, yeah. Look, we found someone's diary in an attic somewhere. You know, fucking <laughs> explains the fucking meaning of fucking life. You know, <laughs> like Jesus. Nick Riviera, that's yeah. the one. It, it, Nick, yeah. Did Nick Nick Riviera probably did the DNA test, didn't he? <laughs> Good old Nick. Yeah. But yeah, that's a, that's a strong. It's like 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 even like say even touch even touching a shawl like that. Is gonna like touch in if someone's yeah. worn it and sweating yeah. on it. There, there's like yeah. it's like a million different ways that it yeah, seems it just... a weird shawl. It seems a weird way of wearing a shawl eight foot by two foot. I mean, this is what you don't get. Like this is it. Like fingerprint. You you're always excreting oils from your you know your fingertips. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, you you get your DNA on it, but you know to so they must like they must have known. It was a different type of DNA because, like, you know, semen isn't fingerprint oil, is it? I wonder um, what 126 year old Jizzday looks like. <laughs> very yellow, <laughs> I'd imagine. <laughs> or green, or even brown. Oh, God. Ooh, oh. Grim. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Here we. <laughs> Here we have a brown uh, shawl from the uh, 1800s. <laughs> Never used to be brown. Just <laughs> stained shawl. Well, <laughs> apparently that's not, like even if it's the other woman, it's like that still got, um, it's still it's still got um blood on it as well. So that'd be blood and jizz mixed yeah. together. 
<laughs> yeah, but the the thing is, they need to they need to like be able to tell the when you know, but did you did you just like get on there before or after or death? <laughs> yeah, the jizz would be floating on the top of the blood. <laughs> well, that, that's a great. Yeah, has anyone answered that question? You know, like well, not that if it is that other woman, they they're saying that that like he gutted her and she helped stop. She stopped the bleeding with it by holding it onto her, so he'd have had to jizz on it, jizz on it before she before she ran off. <laughs> yeah, which means. <laughs> Well, that's it. So he just done it first, and then murdered well, her. Well, long after, he... I tried to jizz on her. <laughs> jizz on her. That's <laughs> yeah. Maybe you should have been trying to kill her instead of jizz on her. <laughs> this Ripper stuff. That's how I like, her. Leave, leave it alone. Leave it alone. It's like, I know. It's like yeah, the that's more you play with it, the worse it gets. It's yeah, it is. It's like Chinese whispers at this point, isn't it? It's gonna the story's not gonna be even about fucking five prostitutes who died in like hundred years time. It's gonna be about landing on the moon or fucking something, isn't it? Well those those yeah. three those three prostitutes he was talking about in that article, they weren't even the prostitutes. They were another <laughs> lot of prostitutes. So like so they're already saying that there could be like more murders. Oh but yeah, of course. There's always gonna be more murders in a story like that, isn't there? Because then you know, someone can come along and make some more money with another book <laughs> is, about it. Is you know, just Dane Maxwell not, connected lost... to these murders? Well, I mean, it's do we have she... any? Do we do we do we have any? Do we have any court cases on the people she trafficked these children to, or, or is that not going to happen now? If we're going to talk mean, about just just staying for a bit, just staying. I don't know, man. I'm surprised she's still alive, to be honest. <laughs> getting told off any. no no but the boy <laughs> needs me to go and do some IT for him oh right I see can you just talk for a minute Fraser <laughs> about anything Me? you want talk. Badges, oh, badges stay and I'll be back in a sec badges I don't know I don't know I don't know come on chat what should we talk about <laughs> what should we talk about chat oh thank god someone's here to save save the day who's this Ian, save me. Talk to me, Ian. <laughs> save us from ourselves. Yeah, no, I, I don't know. Because, yeah, the whole Epstein thing, I guess, that, that's it brushing under the carpet now, isn't it? So. Well, it will be very soon, shall we say, you know, it seems. Tying up loose ends. Although, supposedly, another. What was it? Clinton aid died recently as well. That's a weird, another weird uh, coincidence, isn't it? I wonder if that's related to this. Can't even find the bloody a chat, guys. Sorry, one sec. Let's see what's. Let's see what's there. Just plain as well. I don't know. Um, so, uh, on topic of murder, what do you want to... Testies, testies, one, two, testies, one, two, I'm here. Yes, your testicles are fine. Good. All right. I was talking, I had some good stuff there, but uh, I was on mute. No one heard it, so... No. So, you're yeah? Yeah, I'm all right, man. How are you? Yeah, not bad. So what's what's the topic tonight? Just dropped in. Ah, 
Well, we were talking about... Uh, well, Henry was talking about the Ripper murder uh, things for... What Ripper? There's a number of Rippers. The New well, York Ripper? It. No, the, 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 the London one, I think. The oh, that one. The UK the, one, yeah. From the 1800s. Yeah, 1888. How far, how far did he get? Um... Well, we we're talking about the jizz rag thing theory. The jizz about... rag? What? What? Yeah. What? What you find under my bed? Yeah. Did you? Yeah. There was a. There was a. There was a rag that had mm. some semen on it and blood from this woman. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. I, to, to be honest, this ripper stuff just—it seems yeah, it's like a bit, it's just a. It's, it's a bit outdated. Normally... I prefer the. I prefer the Yorkshire Ripper. It's much more up to date. We're all familiar with it, and also it's sort of a a sign of the times, a representation of the seventies, which I like. So you know, right. the miners' yeah. strike, the four-day week. You know, the country yeah. was in disarray, and then you had the Ripper. So all we need now is a Ripper. We're going through similar times. I think we've already got one, right? Name was, his name was Bob. Who? He ripped. Who? <laughs> he yeah, he's, he, he's quite funny though, isn't he? We'll see what uh, happens anyway. We'll see what happens anyway mm, next. Yeah. Maybe we'll get. Maybe we'll get. Um, what's his, who's the Labour guy Which called? Thing? Oh no, who's the, Yeah. Oh, and yeah, men can man. men can be women, isn't it? That, that's right, isn't yeah. it? Is that right? That's that's, that's right, isn't that's it? Um, yeah. Yeah. That's what we got coming. I'm back. So. I'm, I'm cool with that. Did you? Did you? Did you, did, you did you know about the uh, Ripper's jizz rag? Did you, Ian? I didn't know about the Ripper's jizz rag. Did they find the jizz rag by the uh, bodies? Did, did he... uh, well, I knew good. that the. No. I knew that the. I knew that the Yorkshire Ripper did pleasure himself um, whilst mutilating his victims. It's the other. With his... It's the other Ripper. The. Uh... Mm, I know. I know. But the. Um, they would have. He probably would have pleasured himself, wouldn't he? Because um, the Yorkshire Ripper did with his special trousers, which was a sweater <laughs> over his legs, exposed in his genitalia. Yeah. Well, have you ever looked into the Ripper? You, you ever followed Ripper? I'm not or... really. I'm not really Jack the Ripper. It's too out of date, you know. Yeah. I like um, I like Victorian times and that, but um, the general vibe. Are you aware but... of this, the Kosminski geezer that they that they seem to quite like as a suspect? There's been a few people that have been a suspect, even royalty. Yeah, but, I think um... I think Kosminski seems because because I think mm. what he I can't remember he he was either thrown into the lunatic asylum mm. forever and ever and ever, or he committed suicide. I can't remember which one. Did, I'm he, not did like... he do a painting? I don't know. Mm. Someone did a painting called Bedroom of the Ripper, and uh, they think that may have been the person who did it. But who knows? Too late now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, this, years is, later. this is the, 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 the Ripperologists, they just like, uh, yeah. they, it's like picking at a scab. It's, they, they, you know, yeah, it's like UFOologists, they're exactly yeah. the same thing, it's exactly the same shit, it's just for a different audience, mm. you know, oh, we're going to go over the the Skinwalker Ranch a billion times to that, find the fucking, mm. the jizz oh, rag that, that the alien that, left behind. That curse you know? of, um, have you watched Curse of Skinwalker Ranch, Fraser? That's worth watching. Curse! Mm. I've watched a film about Skinwalker Ranch. Yeah. Oh, there's a there's a TV there's a TV series that's mm. on. Uh, I think it's Discovery, and it's yeah. called The Curse of Skinwalker Ranch. But that's actual like scientists. They they're having a look at it scientifically. Mm. 
Well, is is this like the? Uh, are we talking scientists in like the uh, <laughs> what are, TV? One of them worked for NASA, or... so you know he's no. so you know he's a TikTok well, okay. scientist, Fraser. All right, well, <laughs> the curse, the curse, the window there, then. Uh, the curse of foreskin walker ranch. <laughs> foreskin walker. <laughs> Which is on the Jewish channel, because the foreskin walked away. <laughs> a quick one, though, Hemi. I wasn't uh, online yeah. last week, but um, Legend of Boggy Creek. The first yeah. time I saw that, it shat me up, that film. Is it a decent horror not... movie, then, is it? Oh, well, when you watch it when you're 10 years old, it's on yeah. It's on at half past yeah. six on BBC Two. Man, that was... that. It is, it is a good film. The, the people who made the Blair Witch Project... They cite that as one of their influences, and uh, to be honest, it is a really good film. Mm. Uh, it's low budget, it's a bit, bit shit, but if you like that sort of thing, you've seen the film The Dreaded the, the Town That Dreaded Sundown because that's that's like a similar sort of mm. thing as well, isn't it? Yeah, it rings a bell. Well, the they, actually, they creep... actually did like a reboot or something a couple of years ago, mm. which kind of uh, which references the film and the events. Mm. Yeah, Boggy Creek, though, it's um in the 70s. There was an influx of Bigfoot stuff, films, you know, low budget films, that kind of shit. Even the six million dollar man had an had a uh, encounter with uh, Bigfoot, who turned out to be Bionic himself. Oh. Did you uh, all... did you ever watch mm. the Invisible Man? I think there was a, that TV. Was it a TV show? There's loads that of there's big, loads big of Bigfoot, Bigfoot with... was invisible as well. He could turn invisible. <laughs> was that with David McCallum? I think it was. I don't. Yeah, from the seventies. There's loads yeah. of there's loads of the Invisible mm. Man. There's a, there's, a, there's about three or four versions of yeah. HG, the HG Wells one. There's um, Ian mm. McCullum where he used to go around yeah crime. pulling his head pulling his pulling his was, mask yeah. off, wasn't it? It's just like the Invisible Man. Like mm. they're gonna find solve but, the mystery um, of Bigfoot. <laughs> turn, no, turn invisible. That's why no one's seen him. <laughs> <laughs> no, but ever all the shit we saw in the seventies. The Legend yeah. of Boggy Snow Creek beast. is one of the good... Snow Beast. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's a yeah. TV. That was a TV special, wasn't it? Yeah, it's a TV movie, wasn't it? Mm. Mm. Have you all these? But, uh... Yeah, all these like you know cryptid sightings recently. Like, I mean, yeah, last week there was uh, the the Daily Star, right? They they I don't know. It was in the paper anyway. The Daily Star, you know, the, the werewolf guy. Oh, Alphabet Cat. <laughs> it's the two thousands yeah. one for cable and US TV. The one with the Yeti. Yeah, yeah. Can't remember that one, but uh, yeah, some good stuff going on. But uh, you can tell, you can tell I've been drinking in the garden all day, can't you? But I've been um, decking all day, nearly. nearly uh... Yeah. Oh, do you want to do you want to know about the warlords of McLantis, Scottish Scot- yeah. Scottish nationalism's undersea kingdom? <laughs> Is it anything to do with Nicola Sturgeon? Uh, it might be. Um, I've just got <laughs> I don't think I'd want to see wait. her, and I wouldn't want to see her under Sea wait. Kingdom. Wait, is she a mermaid? Is she, <laughs> is she the fish part on top and yeah, the she, woman underneath? She smells of fish. <laughs> right, so dirty care. They put it on the cover, and then they don't don't tell you what page it's on on the inside. On the inside, fucking idiots. Yeah, well. <laughs> It's that that is the uh, the paperback form of a YouTube uh, thumbnail, then, isn't it? Yeah. It's not actually in the in the video. It's just, <laughs> it's just a free cover. <laughs> Whatever happened to uh, was it uh, flight MH seventy three? Is that the one that cra- crash landed off Australia? Is that the uh, one? No, it's the one that 
Isn't that the one that disappeared? Yeah, that's the one that disappeared over. Yeah, uh, you know, they left Australia and yeah, disappeared. Yeah. Is that the right? Is that is that it? Is that the one? Oh, this uh, this sounds mint. This does. The Warlords of Atlantis. S. D. Tucker looks back at one of Scotland's earliest nationalist politicians, Lewis Spence, and his quest to find Atlantis hidden not beneath not beneath the waves, but in the within the blood of his countrymen. Oh, interesting. This okay. one sounds quite interesting. Cool. Go on. Uh, what was his name? F- F- really F- FC Fucker. FC Fucker. FC Tucker. FC Tucker. Uh, the, the politician's name is Lewis Spence. Not not to be confused mm. with Louis Spence, the puff that, that does the dancing. Yeah, um, he's into that. And so, Scot- and so, Scotland has spoken with an amazing 56 out of 59 Scottish MPs now flying the flag of the SNP. There's been a long uh. road for nationalists north of the border and to, and to get to this point. Though with the SNP's effective predecessor, the National Party of Scotland, having been formed long ago as 1928. The MPS's first ever candidate for Westminster during a by-election in 1929, Lewis Spence would doubtless be ecstatic that his vision for a self-governing Scottish nation were... Uh, citation needed on that one. Mm. <laughs> still come co- cl- so close to fruition. Do, they t- do the SNP actually do anything other than moaning about a referendum? I don't, I, like they don't really run the country, do, do they? No, uh, they, it's just like foghorns and like you yeah. know, making uh, a loud noise over there. And the and the crankies, the crankies, yeah. who went, who apparently went to swingers parties, didn't they? The crankies, yeah, the crankies. Right. Yeah, the crankies uh, were they, they were into like sex swapping type. Is this literally? Is this literally the version of? Uh, what the Nazis did, they they went to around all the world to find the Aryan race, right? Yeah. But just, now this is the Scottish version. Of well, they should have looked no. in Scotland. No, yeah. no, no, this is just this is just Jimmy Cranky oh, and. There's a heading. Yeah. There's a heading called the Athens of the North. <laughs> we'll oh, get no. there. We'll get there. <laughs> Uh, there is little space today, space today for occult interests among SNP politicians. With Lewis Spencer, though, the situation was somewhat different, for as well as penning <laughs> such mundane-sounding tracts as Freedom for Scotland, the case for Scottish self-government, he was also the author of, mar- author of mar- rather more esoteric tomes like The Problem of Atlantis, Atlantis in America, and The Occult Scientists in, Sciences in Atlantis. Like all good statesmen, Spence had a hinterland, somehow finding the time away from the campaign trail to pen popular works about folklore and ancient civilizations, like the magic and mysteries of Mexico and the mysteries of Egypt and the secret rites and traditions of the Nile. But it was the hidden mysteries of Britain and its people, particularly the Celts, which are closest to Spence's heart. Born in 1874 in Broughty Ferry, Spence qualified as a dentist at Edinburgh University before changing tack and becoming an editor on the Scotsman newspaper in 1899. Maybe he found his employment to be a bit too much like pulling teeth, however, as beginning around 1905 and continu- continuing more or less until his death in 1955, he started supplementing his living with his books about ancient mysteries and the supernatural. He also wrote poems, pamphlets, stories and plays. It was in the 1920s he first began to write about Atlantis, and it was when speculating about the history of this non-existent place... Ooh. Ooh, (laughs) spicy. Uh, That is is abiding interest in both occultism and Scottish nationalism began began particularly to fuse. Uh, Curiously, the modern myth of Atlantis had begun with a book written by another politician, US Congressman Ignatius Donnelly's 
that's Ignatius. you know you don't hear that name anymore, do you? Ignatius. 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 Get, get off that slide. You like yourself. <laughs> Ignatius Donnelly's best-selling 1882 Atlantis, the antediluvian world, which claimed that Plato's fabled island was a real place and the origin of nearly all world culture and mythology. Donnelly's book was taken seriously by many who read it, even with Britain's PM W.E. Gladstone making the extraordinary suggestion, unironically vetoed by the Treasury, that the Royal Navy send a task force out to scout the Atlantic for evidence that con- Congressman was right. Like, what happened to politicians <laughs> like this? Oh, man, that'd be faith, wouldn't it? You guys know Boris Johnson. Right, right, lads. Right, lads. We're going to go and find Bigfoot. We're doing it. Well, the... Um... Because my two pays for the Russian, apart. who was that Russian, the Russian boxer, wasn't it? Who had a face like a kettle, who got beaten by David Hay. He became a um, politician in Russia, and he he actually was looking for the Is Russian Bigfoot. I can't remember. He, he he was a massive guy, wasn't he? But David David Hay beat him. He then became a politician in uh, Russia, and one of his and he's actually on. You watch some Bigfoot programs. He's on there looking for the Almasty. Which is the well, Russian um, Bigfoot. You've also got, uh, what's his name, uh, Jesse Venturi. Was, uh, where was he governor of? He was governor of somewhere, wasn't he? Mm, it was Jim Carrey, wasn't it? But... <laughs> uh, but, so, yeah. Donnelly had spawned a monster, and it was not long before people were trying to identify the true location of the vanished continent in places all over the world, including Scotland. The most elaborate attempt was that of William Commons Beaumont, a one-time hack on the Daily Mail, who carried that organ's alleged Little England mindset to its logical conclusion with his truly bizarre books, The Riddle of Prehistoric Britain and the Brit- Britain, the Key to World History, which he claimed mm. not only that the British Isles was really Atlantis and the giants with access to super-advanced weaponry and flying machines used to live here, yeah. but also that every sing- single significant event of ancient history had actually occurred mm. somewhere between Land's End and John O'Groats. Yeah, that sounds right, right? What a legend. Rather than in the Middle East or the Mediterranean, as mainstream historians falsely claimed. It sounds mint. I need to get some of his books. Uh, Or or Ibiza. Yeah. Or uh, or Ayanapa. Yeah. As mainstream historians falsely claimed. Scotland was particularly blessed in this regard, it seems, seeing as Jerusalem was really Edinburgh, Mount Olympus was actually Ben Nevis, and the Egyptian Egyptian pharaohs were all Scotsmen, and most remarkably of all, Athens was in fact the small town of Dumbarton. <laughs> well, well, he had me there until Dumbarton, right? I couldn't have believed it until he said that. I've never been to Dumbarton. Have you been to Dumbarton then, Fraser? Can can you? Uh... I haven't, but I've heard things. This with, I've, not, this I've not been. I've, I've not been. To... It's far removed from a, a glorious. Uh... Well, how do you know Dumbarton? How do you know Dumbarton isn't Athens, then, Fraser? If you haven't been there. Well, I've been to Edinburgh, and I, as we saw the other week on my video, we tried yeah. a deep-fried Mars bar. Yeah. <laughs> Evidence? Could you get a deep-fried Mars bar in Dumbarton? <laughs> uh, well. Get deep fried cream egg. Mm. Sounds Mum- delicious. Tits clip says ginger mummies and a pyramid bigger than the Egypt ones in China. <laughs> ginger uh, muffs are bigger than the ones you find in China. 
Uh, anticipating that sceptics might object to this final claim by pointing out that all great old buildings of classical Athens would appear today to be located in, well, Athens, Beaumont had a simple answer ready. The Roman Emperor Hadrian, whose hatred for the Scots was demonstrated by a big wall he constructed to keep them out of England, had simply stole the Parthenon and the rest from their true home in Dumbarton and had them re-erected <laughs> in Greece through pure spite. <laughs> <laughs> this is this dude's a fucking legend, doesn't he? He's definitely <laughs> on the happy juice, isn't he? The next time... This sounds like you're right anything. Yeah, yeah. The next time Greek government demand the Elkin marbles back, I think someone someone should t- should take their representatives aside and plot them all and form them of these facts. Lewis Spence was then not alone in giving credence to the myth of Atlantis. Spence's ideas differed from some of his rivals, however. Rather than claiming that Britain was was Atlantis, he, he instead maintained that Britain's people, particularly the Scots, were the true heirs to Atlantis. Okay, right, okay. Fair yeah. enough. All right, and okay. you work okay. in a dance studio or something. Yeah, okay. That's Lewis Spence, not Lewis Spence. And dancing all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He used to be on uh, TV Burp all the time, didn't he? Yeah, that's right. No, this is more those... plausible theory than uh, I think right. Dumbarton mm. in Athens. You're gonna get in, you're gonna get on this one then, Fraser, right? Maybe. <laughs> Rather than Cla- uh, was it true? Uh, Atlantis. Spence said the people of the ancient world knew this full well, uh, calling Britain an island veiled and esoteric, as well known to all other races as the very home and environment of mystery, a sacred territory to enter, which was to encroach upon a region of enchantment. The dwelling of the gods. Modern day visitors flying into Glasgow International Airport must feel something similar. Spence's reasons for Britain Britain being a kind of Avalon boil down to this. Ancient Atlantis was home to a J.G. Fraser style vegetation cult or mystery religion centering around a divine king known to us as Arthur who would undergo symbolic death and resurrection each year in order to reassert the power of fertility in the world, thus enabling spring and its crops to re-emerge from the depths of winter. However, over time, Atlantean culture had decayed and its inhabitants brought destruction upon themselves, possibly through abusing the occult arts. Mm. Fortunately, a number of good Atlanteans, a a type now known to us as Cro-Magnon Man, had escaped the deluge and sought sanctuary in Europe and North Africa, re-establishing their worship of Arthur everywhere they settled, albeit under different names, gradually through Cro-Magnon and... uh, uh, gradually, though, the Cro-Magnon Atlanteans mated and merged with other cultures and races, lo- losing access to their ancient wisdom. Wisdom. In only one group of people, the Celts did the did the Atlantean blood and religion survive in anything approaching its pure form of old. Thus, accounted for Britain's traditional reputation for holiness and magic. So basically, he's saying that all all, all Scots are Cro-Magnon man. <laughs> Is that an insult or a compliment? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, to him, it's a to, to him, it's a compliment. I imagine to most Scotch Scottish people, it's an insult. Does that include Jimmy Cranky as well, or is that yeah, a woman? Probably. I don't know. <laughs> this is this is fucking bizarre, isn't it? This dude is it? Is it like is it broke? Jesus, Jesus is the prophet in in all religions. Like woke, like uh, Arthur is the prophet in all religions. <laughs> Arthur was the seasons, mate. That's mm. what. That's 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 the real. Broke, here. G- broke Jesus, woke Arthur. Yeah. Are you even Arthur pilled, Fraser? Now. I am now. Uh, yep. Visitors to modern-day Scotland may have noticed their sacred vegetation cults, save that of the th- the thistle, are conspicuous by their absence. Spence sacred, had an ab- 
sacred vegetation cult. Now that sounds like someone's just like jizzing on a ficus, right? Yeah, something like that, doesn't it? Um, yeah, it does sound like a bit like right? <laughs> uh, Yeah, jizzing <laughs> a fern tree, you know. Okay. It's kind of weird because every country has its like national like vegetable, doesn't it? I think. Well, England has England has Joey Deacon, doesn't it? That's the national version. <laughs> yeah, he's our national uh, national version. Yeah. <laughs> Hours of fun. If you're of a certain age. Uh, so are conspicuous by their absence. Spence had an explanation. The pure Celtic blood and mindset of the Atlantean Scots, he said, had been systematically polluted down the centuries through interaction with and colonisation by what he called Anglo-Saxon Teutonism. <laughs> i.e. Englishmen. This was bad news, as in Spence's view, the Cro-Magnon Atlanteans had never settled in the Germanic and Scandinavian countries from which the Anglo-Saxon ancestors of the English hailed, which meant essentially that the sacred Isle of Britain had been con con conquered by non-Atlantean barbarians. In the years since, the Scots had become effectively deracinated under the influ influence of their English overlords, leading to the virtual disappearance of the Celtic, that is to say, Atlantean culture and religion amongst them. But he's also forgetting the huge influx of, uh, of uh, Irish, isn't he? Yeah, and Norwegian as well. Yeah. As Spence laid out in pamphlets such as his 1922, The English Peril in Scotland, this was a historical crime that had to be re reversed. The surprising thing is that if you ignore Spence's peculiar Atlantean obsession, it becomes apparent that various other early Scottish nationalists were saying something very similar, but in non-occult terms. Take, for example, the poet Hugh McDermott, a fellow founder member of the National Party of Scotland and no believer in Atlantis, who with commendable honesty in Who's Who entry, under the heading of hobbies, McDermott listed Anglophobia. <laughs> Which we then, when we see some of the things he wrote in the in his 1936 book, Scottish eccentrics, an unusual attempt to use the lives of remarkable, if often slightly nutty Scots to condemn how how successfully the bulk of the Scottish people have been assimilated to English standards since the Union, we can see why 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 it was he so hated and dreaded the Sassanacs under English rule. He said the general concept of the typical Scot has un undergone a very remarkable change. We are now regarded for the most part as a very dour, hard-headed, hard-working, tenacious people devoted to the practical things of life and making little or no contribution to, more, to the more dazzling or debatable spheres of human genius. Modern-day Scotsmen actively collaborated in this state of affairs and McDermott because so far as they are concerned, the long centuries of Scotland's national life have long ago been brought to nothing. Their race memory only goes back to the day before yesterday. To them, the nature of their literature, the history of their country, as it is, is as unintelligible as the theories of Einstein. The uncanny Scot has been everywhere and transformed into the canny Scot of modern acceptance. Spence could also uh, express his racial ideas in either occult or purely political terms, depending on what, what the situation required. In 1951, his book The Second Sight, for instance, Spence claimed that clairvoyant skills were sadly disappearing in Scotland, with the ancient holy men who had once practised them having, having long ago been downgraded to the level of mere fortune tellers by an invading faith brought north by outsiders. In The Problem of Atlantis, he went even further, claiming implausibly that Atlanteans had been proved by the labours of archaeologists to have been a physical type superior to any present existing 
and to have possessed the greater cranial capacity, which is the undoubted mark of distinguished mental ability. By Atlanteans, however, Spence really means Scots. If patriotic Scotsmen may be pardoned the boast, I may say that I devoutly believe that Scotland's admitted superiority in the mental and spiritual spheres springs almost entirely from the preponderant degree of Cro-Magnon blood, which certainly runs in the veins of her people. Thus, the Scottish Enlightenment, <laughs> Enlightenment presumably. Uh, what do you think so far, then, to this geezer? He sounds like a proper lad, doesn't he? He goes on a bit, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Is he getting to his point yet, or is there another, like, 17 pages? Uh, well, there's another page to go. Um, okay. I think he's just point, pointing out what an absolute fucking mad lad this mm. geezer is. I'm surprised that... <laughs> uh, I'm surprised fucking Count Dankler ain't done an absolute mad lad on this geezer. When writing for... No, pure... God, then, what's that for? What was that in? No, he's got to be careful now, hasn't he? After the uh, Nazi salute dog type thing, he's come dankular is a bit careful these days. Yeah, I don't know. You... Right. Mind, you, mind you, you can do Scottish nationalism quite safely, can't you? Mm, yeah. yeah. Uh, when writing for a purely nationalist audience, as in his pamphlet, Freedom for Scotland, however, <laughs> the salient feature of racial differences between the English and Scottish races became not Scots' festival... <laughs> And Atlantean blood, but they're preponderantly large Pictish Scot stock, from which the majority of its inhabitants are descended. Perhaps this is well. Uh, Jeanette Cranky weren't, uh, weren't a very large Pictish Scot, was she? She was a small woman, dressed <laughs> as a schoolboy, if I remember <laughs> rightly. The original, the original tranny. Hmm. Was that? Tranny? And then, and then Angus, Angus from ACDC followed suit. He so a cranky. Yeah. ACDC, that was a... Well, ACDC means bisexual, doesn't it? In um, If you're in swingers, mags. Uh, and... Um, so, yeah, yeah. Is, is well, it true? Is it true people who are swingers grow pampas grass outside their house? <laughs> Have you ever heard that one? No. no. I'm not... <laughs> they grow what? Pampas grass, you know, you know, like the big I've grass got... with like the big white fluffy stuff on top. You know, the, do you know the stuff I mean? Oh, particularly stuff. I kind of do, but I've never heard of this theory. Um, as far as I'm aware, swingers people thought that. I know this, I know this is a it... thing, but I don't know where I got it from. It's one of those things. You can tell. I know, you can tell if you, uh, you can tell if someone's a swinger if they're sort of having sex with other people. That's yeah. the key. But apparently, apparently they they like to like to signal that mm. they're swingers by growing. Wow. Oh, right. yeah, as you can drop by. Mm. No, I've not known that. I'll look out for that actually in future. Yeah. Go, knock I'll on the door. Knock, knock <laughs> <on> the <laughs> no, I will. I, I've done. I've done this before, so um, <laughs> well, <laughs> it's not the first time. So. Yeah, actually, that is a good idea for a future program, isn't it? I'll, I will knock on a couple of doors um, and embarrass myself again. But... Are you swingers? Uh, I'm not a swinger, no. I'm not a sex person. <laughs> sex haver. I'm have you perfectly. Ever on these swingers programs, the swingers on it are people you'd never want to have sex with ever. <laughs> yeah. Then on Pornhub, though, if you go on Porn, you know, Pornhub, that website yeah if you don't know of it www.pornhub.com yeah. type swingers into there or lesbians and or as the bbc would say or as the bbc would say search pornhub mm. 
chickswithdicks.com I found rather fascinating. Uh, perhaps this is why this is why this perhaps this was why certain measures discouraging interbreeding had urgently had urgently to be implemented in order to protect the mm. Scottish race from being overwhelmed by the swarming meanly. <laughs> it was it all, to... from, it all sounds familiar, mm. doesn't it? Yeah, I'm part nothing of to do careful. with nothing to do with webbed feet or anything like that. No, oh. yeah. no. That's why I'm up here to, uh, you know, further this goal of uh, you know what this putting out you... the uh, the Atlantic. Oh dear, oh dear the... Mr. Spence is oh. about to get spicy. Uh, just the English who who posed a, pre pre a threat either in 1936. It... Spence made some alarmist comments to the effect that an enormous number of foreign Jewish students were invading Edinburgh <laughs> and its university fleeing the Nazis. Spence said there are 18,000, but the Jewish Chronicle conclusively demonstrated there were no more than 60. The racial conspiracy theories of other early Scottish nationalists, though, were even weirder. Harry Miller, for example, leader of the Scottish Socialists, wrote to Hugh MacDiarmid in 1941, claiming London was taking advantage of the war to systematically enact a deliberate transference of population between England and Scotland. Scottish lassies, he said, were being sent to Coventry in a literal sense with English wenches transported to Scotland to take their place. Either stealing the Scotswomen's Scots former jobs or their former lover's sperm in the guise of prostitutes. The presumable end result of these fiendish ploys would be an awful lot of mixed-race babies being born, thus diluting the Scottish race even further. Oh, dear. I'm not into Scottish women, to be honest. Doesn't no, do it for me. So yeah, 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 yeah. You Is know, there it's like, not like like a fit Scott because like you can say like Catherine Zeta Jones, like uh, a fit Welsh woman. I don't she's think Welsh, like a fit she? Scottish woman, is there? Welsh women are usually dogs as well, though. You know, it's a better sort of American, <laughs> Latino, that kind of thing. You know. Actually, you know what? Mediterranean. We just, we just that's got what, that's what... this bullet, lads. I mean, we've got to, yeah. we've got to say our women on these islands you know. are nothing compared to the Scandinavians. Yeah. On the whole, that. you know, yeah. on the whole, uh, you know, Celtic, yeah. uh, Celtic women. People used to, used to uh, try and tell you that Edith Bowman was fit. Uh, people used to try and say she was fit. Uh, just like, I think it was just like a lack of like Scottish fit birds. It was like she was the only Scottish bird. It's the pale skin, isn't it? As well, you know, Celtic women are fucking pigs, to be honest. <laughs> Do you, remember that, do you remember that bird that used to have a YouTube channel? Her name was Ashley something. And she had fucking absolutely massive knockers. Yeah, but when she got them, she when was, she got them out, she they were round of. When she got them out, they were round of fucking waist, though, weren't they? For fuck's sake! I don't know. I never saw her. I don't think she ever got. I them fucking all. did. I well, I heard someone who did. I, I, someone told me. <laughs> I saw. I knew someone who looked at them, and they said, that, "Yeah, they're fucking disgusting." Uh -huh. no, she's only uh -huh. she's only young, so I doubt they were that saggy. Yeah, well, they drop low these days. Do they? Hmm. Well, you know, by the time they've taken their bum cha bum shaping pants off, their the wonder bra off, you know, there's nothing mm. left, is there? Yeah. Saggy skin. Yes. Yeah. By the time they think taking their strap on off, there's fucking nothing left. <laughs> just, just uh, so right, I'm heading into the final stretch of this article now. Um, this may sound like I'm working up to saying Lewis Spence was a Nazi, but I'm not because he wasn't. Okay, that's that done. Uh, indeed, he so disliked Hitler that in the 1940s he went to press with two 
millenarian tract called <laughs> The Occult Causes of the Present War and Will Europe Follow Atlantis, in which he sensationally claimed that the Fuhrer and his troops were quite literally the tools of Satan. Spence's basic thesis was that German people, who being, being non-Atlantean, were a race inher- inherently suggestible to the powers of evil. And nonetheless made the same mistake as the inhabitants of Atlantis and misused the occult scientists. The parallel between the sad fate of the Atlantean Scots under Teutonic English rule with even more disturbing potential fate of Britain under Teutonic Nazi rule was compelling to Spence. Once more, the barbarian invaders from Europe were going to conquer the sacred island of the Celts and force its already debased culture down to an even lower level. How could the Scottish base be saved? One idea was to imitate the Irish and their own successful programme of natural cultural renewal through the promotion of folklore. Books like Spence's Scottish Ghosts and Goblins were thus not mere entertainment, but had a hidden nationalist purpose too. The clearest example of this impulse in action came from one of the most extreme Scottish nationalists of all, Ronald MacDonald Ronald Mac... His name can't be Ronald Ronald MacDonald... (laughs) Ronald McDonald Adam Douglas. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll take it you've never heard of Ronald McDonald Douglas. A cow. <laughs> well, uh, he didn't have a cow, he had a bomb. Uh, the kilt-wearing founder of his own largely imaginary secret IRA Scottish-style Scottish army, which he fantasised yeah. about hiding somewhere in the Highlands. This paramilitary version of I Harry think they Lauder. did that before. Ask Bonnie and Charlie that worked out. Yeah. Evidently thought, thought the, one. the pen to be as mighty as the sword, however, as in 1936, he pu- published an obscure volume called The Irish Book, a miscellany of, miscellany of facts and fancies, folklore and fragments, poems and prose to do with Ireland and her people. Wow, what a snappy title mm. that is, isn't it? Uh, this may, mm. this may not, I bet that flew off the shelves. This may not sound particularly pro-Scottish, but the purpose of Douglas's books was to use folklore and poetry to convince Scots that they were not only, that, that they were not truly British at all, but actually Irish, and the two two Celtic nations being a related but severed people, with the English being those who had severed them. His book, Douglas said, was a was a literary claymore, with the names of Ayr and Alba, England, Ireland and Scotland, closely entwined with the metal of its hilt, and engraved in Gaelic with the words "repeal the union," strong words to describe a fairy book. The outbreak of World War Two soon meant that such a program of mystical cultural renewal simply had to succeed, though, uh, as the future not only Dundee but the entire world now depended on it. The only hope for humanity, said Spence. They were trying to save Dundee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but now the entire world now depended on it. The only hope for humanity, said Spence, was for the British people to return to the old Atlantean worship of King Arthur and his Holy Grail. Once this had been done, God would truly be on our side and, and would de- we would destroy all any enemies in an instant. The hand that shaped this planet would not permit its deflection into the dark and terrible past which led in, led to the abyss. Britain, the seaborn ark, bearing the symbols of truth and righteousness, will pass unscathed through, through the tempest to the haven of that victory which is peace. By God's will, a localised subsidence of the Earth's crust would occur beneath Germany, leaving the evil nation to share the fate of Atlantis. The Third Reich would soon be flooded by the relentless fury of the North Sea, and with its industrial heartland eternally lost in a waste of waters, thus handily leaving free France, 
forever cut off from her ancient foe by some impassable water equivalent to the Maginot line. See, no need to renew Trident after all. <laughs> that bloke sounds like an absolute fucking nutter, doesn't he? What a, what a mad lad. Like. <laughs> absolute mad mm. lad. I've seen River Dance in this uh, fucking shit. Yeah. <laughs> the fact. I think he's trying to say that, like, Dundonians are the Atlantean people or something. Yeah. Is that what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if anyone knows about the characteristic traits of a Dundonian. They're about, like, four foot tall. <laughs> like, all of them. <laughs> oh. So, um, well, never end that four foot, but, like, close enough. They're a, they're a very small people, so the Atlanteans are not being giant. <laughs> Just tiny people. Probably about uh, five foot six, five foot six ish, that kind of height. No, oh, less than that, actually. They're less about, than that. Yeah, five foot, like to, between five and, yeah, that. About five and five, six, yeah. And that's just the males. Some of the women, damn. When I was there, fucking hell. You're like, is that is that a child? No, actually, that's a like forty year old woman. <laughs> are they like a hobbit people? Then, are they? Yeah, they are. They are literally like that. Yeah, it's kind of interesting, like how that occurred. Then you know, uh, hmm. <laughs> right. Let's do let's do some unexplained pisteries. Uh, mm. Weird translucent translucent fish discovered in the sea near Alaska. Go on then. Go on then, Ian. I will ask her about this. Oh, <laughs> uh, dear. So, I, I don't know. I just don't trust things like this. It looks like it could be CGI'd. Oh, no. Where is this? Send us a link. Oh, no, look. And explain mysteries. Uh, some fish are, trans, are translucent, though. This is like no question some weird blobby translucent copper. Hmm. It's like a handful of cum to me. Uh... Unexplained mystery. There we go. Oh. Great guy, There's a link to it in general if you need it. Okay. Oh, weird translucent fish discovered. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It, li- it lives down at two thousand seven hundred foot. Evening. I'm surprised. Oh, a bit. Hello. I got lost, so I pulled over for some directions, and then I thought, Oh God, yeah, it's Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wait, did you, did, you listen, over. did you listen to that absolute mad lab we were just talking about? No, no. I'm sorry, I'll have to catch that yeah. a bit when I get back home. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Scottish nationalist, complete nutter. So this thing was like, found. There's, there's no organs. Mm. Where the fuck is its organs? You can see the arse, can't you? You can practically see its anus. Is that the little dot by her by her finger? It is, yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's where it goes in. You, you see the food. You can see, see the whole digestive canal through there. So where it goes in, where it comes in. You say that stuff, and you just reminded me statue of a horse at Denver International Airport, <laughs> where it's got this horse, and for some reason the sculptor decided to spend meticulous effort. Sculpting its arsehole in its genitalia, and the arsehole's got these pulsing veins. And apparently, the horse is called Lucifer. <laughs> yeah, the, the that's Denver. Denver International Airport. Oh, we we've, we've spoken about it before, but we've never done an episode. Oh, have you heard about the Georgia, Georgia Guidestones Hobbit? 
Oh yeah, yeah. That's, uh, they, someone, someone they, smashed it to smithereens, haven't they? They they demolished it for a barrack-filled home. That's what they <laughs> have they have they actually done that? That's hilarious. People don't realise the Dinos will defeat the New World Order. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, conspiracy theorists in, in, insist God struck down the... Oh, I'll do this one quick. I found it on MSM News. Uh, stick this one up. Uh, put this one on the screen. Okay. All right. Okay, so... Conspiracy theorists inst- insist God struck down the Georgia Guidestones despite video evidence of an explosion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who's to say God doesn't use text to work in mysterious ways? Yeah. That's easy for you to say. Conspiracy theorists right. are engaging in a role yeah. reversal over the Go- Georgia Guidestones, assuring their listeners that the monument's destruction was a natural. Go on then, Hobbit. No, I was going to say, I mean, God works in mysterious ways, and show me in the Bible where it says. God can't use explosives to do his work. Well, as the as the old thing goes, God 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 gets that dead bloke and he says, "Well, I sent I sent you two do- two dolphins, a boat, a boat, and someone else, didn't he?" And, the, and like, what more do you want? And, and the helicopter. <laughs> Who said that? Uh, Georgia, the Georgia, but the Georgia Bureau of Investigation. As all as all but confer- all but confirmed that an explosive device was used to destroy one of the monument monument's six granite slabs. It appears obvious based on the debris scatter that an explosive was dro- dropped next to the rock. So they haven't actually done any tests on it, but it you know it's totally obvious, bro. Wait, wait, is there an actual video of it being destroyed? Because I saw a video of it like being pushed over, right? But I didn't see anything like actual thing pushing it. What's this? Just rare scouts. It's a um, it's jet fuel that melts the granite beams. Yeah. Okay. Uh... It was a small plane accident because somebody had evidence that leaked to the arrest of Hillary Clinton. <laughs> it was there all along. Oh, but never mind. Don't pretend I'm not here. <laughs> Uh, Candice Taylor, a Republican who ran against incumbent Brian Kemp in the state's primary race and failed to secure even a 4% of the vote, made the destruction of the Guidestones via ex- Executive Order 10 a central issue of a platform <laughs> based. <laughs> she called the stones demonic and indicative of the New World Order's plan to use genocide and eugenics. She hints at the coronavirus vaccine being the vehicle for those actions to reshape the world to their liking. Naturally, she does not believe it was her rhetoric and fear-mongering that influenced someone to destroy the stones and released a video on Wednesday emphatically saying that she was in the camp of law and order. She insinuated that God struck the slab down, but if it was a person, she definitely would be opposed to them and call for their arrest. Um, Weren't the stones vandalised earlier this year? I don't know. I think they were. I, I think so. Uh, oh well, what a pity, eh? Yeah. Um, my so, thoughts and prayers go to R.C. Christian and who else founded it. Uh, but just remember, uh, destruction of statues 
is part and parcel of living in a new, modern New World Order. Yes. Well, what else have we got in the uh, unexplained histories? Aliens could be sending quantum messages to study stones. Do we? Have, well, does the human race have a quantum mailbox? <laughs> quantum mail, you know. Yeah, yeah. Quantum mail. That's what I got. Quantum mail. Yeah. So if any quim comes my way, then I know. That's a very old-fashioned word. Okay. Yeah, well. Do you want me get to started read it? on it. Yeah. You got them right. Got them fries if you want to read it. All right. Okay. So researchers have suggested that we may be listening out for the wrong type of extraterrestrial communications. Uh, for decades, efforts to scour the heavens for signs of intelligent alien communications have focused on picking up traditional radio signals. However, it is actually far more likely that an extraterrestrial civilization sufficiently advanced to be capable of travelling between the stars will have developed methods of communication that are far more practical over such enormous distances. Even communicating with our own space probes in orbit around planets within our own solar system can be a long-winded process. Oh, bullshit! Um, uh -huh. Messages taking minutes or even hours to travel back and forth. Yeah, okay. Uh, sending a message between two solar systems would be exponentially worse with even a single message taking years or decades to reach the closest star system. One theoretical way around this would be to find a way, oh here we go, the speculation begins, to send messages <laughs> via quantum entanglement, a phenomena in which the state of one particle is entangled. Entangled pair can be changed instantly over a distance. So don't we have to actually be entangled with the aliens to be quantumly entangled to send the message? Yeah, yeah you do. Now, yeah. it's funny you you read that article off and it's talking about impractical uh, light <laughs> communication is. Because yeah. on December the 21st, 2012, I've done it the American way, the 21st of December, 2012, War okay. of the World, the, the crap one with Tom Cruise, yeah. was yeah. Uh, broadcasted, and I think they sent the signal to Sirius. Mm. I think right. it was Sirius. And there was, was also a Competition is like, what message shall we send uh, to period apart from the video? And they sent a, uh, a Doritos advert there. <laughs> Based. Right, okay. <laughs> While such communication has yet to be achieved on Earth, physicists question whether it is actually possible to send any data. Can I become a physicist? I, like, I could go, like, what if. What if we put electrodes yeah. in a shark's butt and they go, <laughs> just, this is how, that's make what you dream, do. you know? Yeah. Yeah. What if, dream wave, yeah brain wave. What if you put electrodes on your testes? Yeah. Fuck. Oh, anyone isn't, can be a scientist these days. You know when they said, you know when they said anyone could be a scientist? They took that literally, didn't they? Do scientists, do scientists actually do any science in anymore or do they just play make, no, make believe? They just guess shit. <laughs> Hey, are you trying to tell me shark sleep research isn't serious science? <laughs> it's it's not it's not if you don't if you if you haven't figured out yeah. by the end of it whether sharks sleep or not. Well, the results bring. Yeah, that's why they need more electric bill was too much. That's why they couldn't get around to finishing it, finishing the research off. But if you can turn a shark vertical, then you're um, you're sorted. If a shark attacks you and you can 
You can turn it vertically. It can't breathe anymore. You're done. Yeah, job JD. Exactly. It's not oh, reasonable no. to imagine that an alien civilization might have been able to master it, or perhaps some variation mm. of a forgot sake. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and they could have—they can do anything. Aliens can do anything. Just because we can't do it, they can. Right? Another possibility would be to use quantum particles to send information, a form of quantum communication that is currently subject to experimentation oh. on Earth, in the hope of creating ultra-secure networks. Where's this happening? <laughs> so is there just like what? a pile of quantum particles somewhere on Earth? You know, like unread emails. <laughs> pile of... It's a spam, isn't it? It's just going to be... <laughs> Boris, Boris, Johnson, Boris Johnson gifts. Yeah. Or an African <laughs> prince, what, £6,000? Yeah. <laughs> I, <Yeah>. I am a... <laughs> yes, let's just send the, uh, the Nigerian princess... Mm. I am an Al- Alpha Centauri Prince. I am an Alpha Centauri want... Prince, and I need to, I need to really release mm. some funds. You want a bigger penis? <laughs> Here is your uh, prescription via email. Yeah, quantum entanglement. Yeah. In fact, that does work. I do recommend going for the uh... penis, penis enlargement. enlargement. Mm, yeah. Via quantum entanglement. Not via quantum oh, entanglement, but yeah. by those pills they give you. Just... Okay, so according to a new study, quantum communication is essential to work over vast distances, at, uh, at vast distances, vast distances through space, not only across solar system but also across galaxies, and they know this how. It doesn't even explain. Like uh, it just says, have they, well, have they actually done a quantum entanglement yet? Hobbit? Has potential to work. Over, what does that even mean? Oh, we're guessing it could work, right? I've done. I've done a quintum, quintum entanglement. Yeah. 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 That's when you get. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. yeah you get the. You get the idea anyway. Yeah. Uh, a bit under a bucket of oh. water. Yeah. This is what I mean. Oh, this is like. Yeah. Oh, can you now? No, you yeah, won't be hearing me for the. Oh yeah, we won't be. He's in and out. No. The, the next half mile is is quite bad. The, the quantum entanglement's getting all fuzzy. <laughs> <laughs> He's gone. What is it like? QG is, is that what we're gonna have? Is that what quantum quantum G instead of five? Just, just read the last line phrase. If right. this is if this is true, then we actually had a way to pick up such communications. We could potentially be privy to entire intergalactic network of messages from all corners of the. Well, if we could, we would. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if it's There's real, no harm in trying. <laughs> if this thing we imagined possible is possible, well. Then yeah, it's possible, right? That's that's. And you've eliminated the impossible. <laughs> yeah. This is science today. My God, like it's just guesswork and fucking. Oh well, I I just love to know where they're uh, testing it at, where this uh, potential comes from, who's like giving it this potential. Oh, relating to the last to the last one, tomb linked to King Arthur is set to be excavated. Archaeologists are preparing to explore what lies inside a 5,000-year-old tomb known as Arthur's Stone. Situated in rural Herefordshire, this ancient stone structure consists of nine upright stones which support a larger capstone 
believe believed to weigh upwards of 25 tons underneath is thought to be some sort of burial chamber however to date no evidence of remains has ever been discovered at the site raising questions about who or what who or what once interred inside uh now though archaeologists from the university what's that a bit the quantum in the quantum entanglements done i'm back from the future draw yeah. the lottery numbers yeah. i've got them okay <laughs> It's one, two, three, four, five, six, and the bonus ball is thirteen. Okay. So uh, go, go go to the uh, go, go, put put that down, and you can thank me later for being a multi-millionaire. But I'm having my uh, share no. as well. So. Yeah. I'm afraid not, because so many people do those numbers that if you win on those numbers, you don't actually get that much. Anyway, what, isn't, one, it, two, isn't three, it true that yeah, you are a time traveller? Yeah, yeah. If you are a time traveller and you put the lottery numbers on and win them, that's how they catch you. Oh yeah, that's true. Mm. So uh, nobody, nobody, nobody do one, two, three, four, five, six, thirteen. Um, yeah. Otherwise, you'll get nabbed. Don't don't do one, two, three, four, five, six anyway, because so many people do that, and you're probably going to end up with a tenner, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Ah, they, won't, they won't have picked the bonus ball off off of thirteen now, will they? Because mm. that's the number. But they probably picked bonus ball of seven. Yeah, but no, it's it's not that. I'm, t I'm telling you guys. You, but if you do it, they'll be like, ah, we know you've been to the future because the lottery mm. is just it's a poor tax. That's what it is. Yeah. It's it's, well, it's the idiot tax. That's what it is of it. Well, it, it's a it tax for that. The uh, National Lottery Fund can fund theatres where they do the thing where they put a crutch where their willy is. And then they do a, a weird sort of spastic dance with it. Have you seen that? Yeah, I've seen that. That, <laughs> that, that was funded with a national lottery grant. <laughs> I'd love a national lottery grant. I could do so much good with it. I would smear my shit on the mm. bed and put it in the tape modern. Oh, rabbits! Oh, there's loads of rabbits out this time of night. I found a frog Go in my it. garden yesterday. What, how long did it survive? Uh, it survived all the way through the night because I put it mm. in a bu I put it in a bucket and I put it and I put it outside of the back garden where killer can't get hold of it. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I don't think they kill them though. Generally, they just lick them, don't they? Just get high. <laughs> that's, what, that's what mine does. Well, One thing you said though, um, Hemi, you said you were on a bad boy, bad boy driving course the other week, was it not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I've got one coming. Have you? <laughs> I was, yeah, I was doing 58 in the 50. I got a letter. I'm waiting oh, for it. It's been can, a while coming, actually. Every, when did you do your last one? You can do them once every three uh, years. My last one was almost six years ago, so that's oh, all right. Oh, right, so, so you'll be all right. Yeah, you can so. do them once every three years. You have to do it on Zoom, yeah. which isn't absolutely awesome. That's, that'd be good if I can do that. Last time, I had to turn up in person and do it, and it was like... It was like, well, I'm not learning anything. These people just want to punish you by wasting an afternoon of your life, and that's what happens. Yeah. But uh, yeah, hours. I'm waiting for three hours. Three fucking hours. Yeah. Jesus Christ! And what you? But yeah, I suppose better that three hours is better than three points. I suppose. So. Yeah. But you were done. Yeah. Going through a red light. Exactly. Red light. Jump to red light, mate. I would have thought that's a worse crime than doing as breaking the speed limit. Yeah. But anyway, this this stone table this stone table is is uh, what the stone table from the Lime Witch and the Wardrobe is based on. 
That's pretty so, good. So is this it then? So have we been reading the the Lion Wish and the War Wardrobe wrong all this time? It, it wasn't about Arthur. It was about it wasn't about Jesus. It was about Arthur. Hmm. Or is it these days? Is it the Iron, the Bitch, and the Wardrobe? Kind of works, uh, doesn't it? Bakery receives threatening letter over blasphemous <laughs> sandwich. Ah, I'm back in the room. Yeah, a mysterious individual has taken exception to a bakery's decision to name one of its sandwiches Jesus Christ. That's cheese. <laughs> cheese. The, pe- the peculiar complaint was received by the Bridge Bakehouse in Whaley Bridge, Der- Derbyshire. Oh. A bit. Yeah, well, it is Jesus. It's not Jesus. It's Jesus. Cheese. Crucified them. That's haram, that is. Uh, the Bridge the Bridge Bakehouse in Whaley Bridge, Derbyshire, which offers a variety of sandwiches with pun-infused names such as the cringe-inducing Don't Go Bacon My Heart and the even more groan-worthy Are You Checking Me Out? Castigate. Double castigation. Yeah. Oh, by the way, can, can somebody in the chat crowdsource this? Last night I was talking about uh, the author of Lion Witch Wardrobe. He was friends with J.R.R. Tolkien, but I cannot, for the life of me, remember what his name is. C- is he C.S. Lewis? C.S. Lewis, that's it. I've got Lewis Carroll, J.R.R. Tolkien, and and, yeah. and the C.S. Lewis mixed up. That's it, yeah. Um, yeah, a nice family gave me a tip last night. We were talking about C.S. Lewis yeah. amongst other and I, I drove them all the way home, which I'm not supposed to do, but it wasn't far from the mechanic, so... Uh, yeah. Plus, they had two lovely dogs. Absolutely gorgeous. One... Whenever I was uh, putting my hand on the gear stick, he'd, he'd rest his chin on my hand, and I was like, I'm not going to let the other gear stick now, because if I do, he's going to pull away. A <laughs> uh, woman in India is killed over witchcraft fears. Police are investigating the case of a woman... It was murdered by villagers who believed she was a witch. Well, that's normal, Flynn, right? I mean, they they brought back uh, burning your wife when you're dead. Yeah. Did we do this one? This is from a few weeks ago. What's that? <clears throat> How can we be sure that dark matter exists? I think we started okay. doing it, didn't we? Did we? I don't think we did it properly. Okay, so it's supposed to be the most common form of matter in the universe, but nobody has ever actually seen it. Yeah, because uh, it doesn't exist. Also um, known as opium is yeah. a cope to explain the theory, which is later faulty. Yeah, it's based. You need yeah, it's Einsteinian like relativity. You need it to balance it, the equation. There's simply no enough matter in the universe to keep everything. You say that Hobbit, you say that Hobbit, but the newly uh-huh. upgraded upgraded large hadro large hard on collider resumes hunt for dark matter. Yeah. We, well, give us more uh, money so we can find something that doesn't exist. Yeah. I'm, I'm just gonna assume we'll, that money in. we'll find it one day, lads. Yeah. Are they closing the portal to hell this time or are they just gonna are they gonna bang it open wider? Well, I, I'm just going to assume dark matter means like they, they're collecting the sewage from hell. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty dark, isn't it? That matter. So we will measure the strengths of the Higg- Higgs boson 
interactions with matter and force particles to unprecedented precision, and we'll further our searches for Higgs boson decays to dark matter particles as well as for additional Higgs bosons, said And Andreas Hoker, which means per makes perfect sense. I heard some random bloke on the internet saying that 17 tera electron volts is hardly anything. The, the force of a mosquito flapping its wings is equivalent to 20 tera electron volts. And I'm like, yeah. yeah, but you don't need a great big ring that puts particles up to relativistic speeds in order for a mosquito to flap its wings. Or do you? Because I don't know how mosquitoes fly, bumblebees, they can't fly in any way which makes, like, correlates to any known theory of aerodynamics. So, bumblebees have anti-gravity, and I will be, like... The problem with trying to prove that is you'd have to collect a load of corpses of insects, and frankly, I don't <laughs> want to get my hands dirty to do that. But there was a Russian scientist who's like, look, I know for a fact that these insects are doing something which they're flying in ways which aren't physically possible. So he collected a bunch of their bodies and he created an anti-gravity platform, which uh, electronics doesn't work around and even mechanical systems fail about. Right, in physics, an electron volt is the measure of an amount of kinetic energy gained by a single electron accelerating from rest through an electric potential difference of one volt in a vacuum. Yeah, okay. so how can you say a mosquito's wings can be measured in electron volts? I mean, that, that's like, that doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. You could say it fuels, but not, not electron volt. Yeah. Doesn't make sense, no. No. No, I mean, that bloke on the internet was talking shit. Ken says, just go to London. Lots of portals to hell at Pride. Did you no, say, they're, just, did they're you, openings for demons. Do you just say someone on the internet's talking shit? Yeah. yeah. Well, 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 I never knew that. Whoa. Whoa. Breaking news. <laughs> You've upset me now. Uh, have you heard one billion dollars of stolen Nazi cash may be hidden in a bank account? <laughs> Get out. Hey, sometimes just people on the internet lie. Oh, they lie deliberately. Am I still getting compound interest on that? That's what I want to know. The Nazis <laughs> plundered no end of valuables, gold, and cash during their occupation of Europe. And while some of it has since been retrieved, there are still thought to be large amounts of loot still hidden in various parts of the world just waiting to be rediscovered most recently investigators have been looking into the possibility that nazis kept an absolute gargantuan sum of looted funds over one billion dollars in a secret bank account the are we search... talking electronically or are we talking paper it's got to be because... paper isn't it well, you would hope so, right? Because if it's electronic, there's something wrong here, isn't there? The search well. for this hidden fortune was reignited with a list of 12,000 former Nazis and Nazi sympathisers who fled to South America after the war was recently found in Argentina. The money, which was seemingly stolen from Jewish victims, which means it may or it probably wasn't, was transferred to a single Credit Suisse bank account in Switzerland where it's been likely sitting untouched for 78 years, Argentinian investigator Pedro Filipuzzi, who 
discovered the list at a warehouse. He's heading up the search. Officials from the Simon, we Simon Wiesenthal Centre, a Jewish rights organisation, have also sent a letter to the bank's vice president in effect to track down the gold, the stolen cash. We believe it is very probable that these dormant accounts hold monies looted from Jewish victims under the Nuremberg Aryanisation Laws of the 1930s, they wrote. We are aware you already have claimants... Claimants... Uh, we are aware that you already have claimants as alleged heirs of Nazis in the list. So far, however, the bank maintains it has been unable to locate the account in question. It is literally like digital money now. So this was on after the war. It doesn't exist, yes. Ian, did you know ACDC once tried to find the Loch Ness Monster? I didn't know. I do know they have a. They dress one of their band members as a schoolboy. As Jeanette Crank. Jeanette Crank. We... Well, not anymore. He's dead. Mm. He? Well, Jeanette Crank. He's dead. No, um, Malcolm Young. Malcolm Young is it? Oh right. Yeah. No, no, he's not dead. Malcolm. Angus. What Young. the? Uh, Ang Angus. He's, he's not died. dead. There's two of them. Oh. There was no. Oh, I think the singer died. died. <laughs> they keep replacing the singer, don't they? They go with a flat cap. But uh, no, Angus is still alive, dressing as a schoolboy. Yeah. In front of um, thousands of middle-aged men screaming at so him. So this is, in this his, is, the, this is them trying to find the Loch Ness monster. <laughs> One night we were four sheets. One night we were four sheets to the wind and staying at this hotel mm. right on the side of the lock. Mal just said, <laughs> like, "Come on, let's go and find the Loch Ness monster. I've got fireworks and it might attract it." Unsurprisingly, things didn't go according to plan. There we were, going great, going straight in the water in our shoes at our knees. It was freezing, Johnson continued. Mal had a drink in one hand and a box of fireworks in the other. Like, what a bit Yorkshire then. He was trying to set fire to the lock. We were just howling. By the time we got back to our wives, we had straw in our hair and covered in mud. What a night. There you go. That's them. Yeah. That's them trying what to a funny the Loch Ness Monster. <laughs> well, I did better than that, didn't I? Yeah. Talking. Hobbit's in and out, isn't he? DC were Australia. No, Australia. no, uh, thingy's new, from Newcastle, isn't he? And, and in excess, isn't it? In excess are Australian as well. Yeah. We all know what happened there, didn't we? Yeah. yeah. He died, he died oh, no. wanking on the bog. Um, wanking, wanking, died, a dead wank. Yeah. Dead uh, no, wank. Uh, the lead singer's Geordie, isn't he? What's worse, dying from shitting on the bog or dying from wanking on the bog? He didn't die wanking on the bog, did he? He sort of like hung himself on the door and was wanking and then he killed himself. So, something like that. I have to give it a go one day. Uh, just don't do it. As, just don't go as far as... Uh... Oh, I think we did this the other week, didn't we? The Slender Man attacker seeks a conditional release. You remember the two mm. girls that tried to kill the other girl? Hmm. Mm. And they both went bizarre. Yeah. But yeah. But yeah on a serious note, though, on a serious note, though, if I can just, uh, I'll try and knock something out for the coming weeks. We'll see what we can come up with. I've got a few ideas. I'm going to try and knock one out over the Ripper Shaw line. Ripper Shaw? No, I've done that already. Yeah. <laughs> it went everywhere. On the curtains and everywhere to clean it up. So, uh, uh, but no, we'll see. Uh, you know, we'll see what we can come up with over the coming weeks, and uh, yeah, do something here. Yeah. 
Right, I think I'm about done. I'm cream crackered. You uh, knackered. Yeah. yeah. I'm not knackered, right. but I've got to go to. Uh, what's Ken saying? Uh, current affairs. Was Nessie at the thun? Was Nessie thun? The Nessie thunderstruck. Ask Michael Hutchins. Did not get it? Night all and stay spooky. Adios. Oh.